You're listening to Brave New Words. I'm your host, Ed Fortune. I'm Starburst Magazine's literary editor and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and um, I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Del. Uh, I'm producer Al. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen by James Wallace. Because we would review a Las Vegas, but we don't have it. So, uh, <laughs> coming up next, a jingle. This, this is Fabrian International. That was a jingle. It was, was a jingle. That's a lovely jingle. Before we get into uh, the Las Vegas review, I mean the extraordinary adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, I'm, I'm not angry at all. Um... Well, if you can't, man, that's the point. Um, let's do some um, stuff news. So, stuff has arrived in the um, super secret um, Brave New Words library, Book Nook. Uh, essentially, we, we found our post box. This is the thing. <laughs> We've been wandering through Elspace for some time, as regular listeners of the show will be aware. And uh, we follow the bunny, and we actually found a post, which was nice. We have owls. <gasps> And the owls have brought a, another J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World, <laughs> the spellbounding world of Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts. Thank you to Luke Gret. Bye bye. Thank you, Luke. Um, now it says Muggleworthy, and I don't know the spell to open it. So. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Okay, so this one's entirely black. It has a little point of being shut that's shaped like a lock. From Fantastic Beasts? Yes. <gasps> oh. Oh. Oh, so is this an American one? Because this is... Makusa, Magical Congress of the United States of America. Fantastic Beast again. Yes, Fantastic Beast again. What is that? So that looks like, like a view or something. This is an office stationery set, which includes a folio, sticky notes, two paper clips, and a list pad. Ooh. Stationery. It's 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 stickable notes, which might be known under a band name under other circumstances. Well, it's notes that you can post. Yes. You can, you can post them. Like, maybe post them notes. That would be a good name for them. Yes. And two, like, proper vintage styly paper clips. You could kill a man with those. Actually, you really could kill a man with those. I'm not sure. I, I think they're plastic. Well. You probably couldn't. It might be. Well, you know, give, give me enough. Give, give, me, you an, give uh, me enough animosity. Give me enough motivation yeah. and enough force. Yeah. It's really you just, just cast a spell, but you need a wand for that. So. Are you having difficulty with the thing? No, it's fine. This is the exciting bit of radio where we have to very carefully peel off a sticker, which is very delicate, but it's terrible radio. Oh. 
so so that's like a file it's a file thing it's a file i don't really want to say about it other than that it's a file and it's from the Macusa. Mm, well this is all Macusa. this bit we've got uh, a lined pad of kind of essentially like 19 like vintage shape uh note paper no that that's not plastic that's metal oh they're nice so they're really solid paper shapes we've got the illuminati eye yeah eye in a triangle yeah yeah thing yeah which, which isn't creepy at all no oh and they fit quite nicely on top of the folder briefing as well and you appear to be trying to duel me you're terrible yes what, what, what? No, I, my finger's here, not over there. I'm trying not to A, bend it, or B, break my fingers. Um, so, that's... that That's that bit of the box, the stationery set. Well, we've not really looked at the post... Uh, at the, at the, at the replaceable notes. Restickable, <laughs> restickable notes. They're restickable. Stickable and restickable. Apparently, the magical exposure threat level is a... Is a what looks one of either Bert or Ernie? We might it's not, have to it's not Dr. Elmo yet. The, the Bert and Ernie. Or not, actually. Shall we put those back in the box? I'm going to dive in. <gasps> Diving in. Oh, I think I think they've won the magical Cold War. Because. It says here, Harry Potter. You were a wizard, Harry. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? I think he did. No, he didn't. It was someone else. It was probably Voldemort. Um, I can't look at this box. I'm fairly sure he didn't say it like that either. This it's, whole thing. It, it's a very pretty box. A very pretty black box with silver ink on it. Uh, on the See, sorry, did you just have a go at me for, for very carefully taking the sticker off and now you can't open the box? I can't open the box. So, hang on. It says, Ollivander's Harry Potter wand pen, which tells me what's in the box. So that's been spoiled for me already. No, oh, you see, I've I've skipped the spoilers. I'm reading the little piece of paper that tells you what, what's in the house. Ooh! So in, like, a pen box, that <gasps> you would demonstrate a pen with, is a wand um, and it's a pen and it's a very well weighted pen and it scribbles lovely as well that is beautifully weighted actually in that bit so the so the cat so this is a brown heavy ballpoint pen which is very nicely weighted but it's quite a heavy thing because it's clearly got a, a steel container and you're like, books, what's this got to do with books? It's Harry Potter. So, and the lid... It's a pen, it's for writing a book. And it's stationary as well, it's for making notes. And the lid is very long and big, and it's uh, the bit of a wand. So you can do this. It is literally a pen that is mightier than a sword. I think that's heavy enough to stun someone. Again, with enough force... You could use that like a cover tan. You could, you know, like, you know. Would you get this through, uh, through security checks for a plane? No, I don't think you mm. would. Disappoint. It's a bit too heavy. It's a bit too solid. 
It really does. It's like a thin baton. Yes. You could you could you could certainly do some damage. You could do some damage with a normal regular pen. Yeah, I, I I spent too much of my life being slightly traumatised by various episodes of the BBC series Spooks. Okay, shall we move on to the rest of the box? <laughs> yeah. There, is that a scarf? I like scarves. Oh, it's Gryffindor. Yes, apparently, I'm assuming at some point the people at Loot Crate have asked us what house we believe we are. I believe the show right. is Gryffindor. Okay, let's not examine that for too long. Um, the, but the, the individuals being mostly Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff and Slytherin. Right? I've never done the thing, I don't know. Um, totally, totally Ravenclaw. Yeah, um, but according to the here, the piece of paper that is here is the stuff that is in your box, you would have got the scarf um, that features your house colours and crest, from which I'm aware now that there's a lot of shades of grey in the Hogwarts school uniform what's next is that sweets no that's I don't, I don't, I don't come back to that should we come back to the sweets so yeah. we say the sweets for the end so this is a thing that I am opening <laughs> it's a brooch it's a brooch it's not a brooch though, cause it's got the it is a brooch, but it's pin badge brooch, as in it's the shape of a brooch with a big S on it. Salazar Slytherin's locket. Salazar Slytherin. Yeah. If you re- listen to me reading the thing out, locket enamel pin. Okay. So it's a Slytherin pin. Is this it's not... a Horcrux. Yeah, it's Horcrux. The next yeah. in our Horcrux pin series, this is the safest way to wear this particular nasty, particularly nasty bit of jewellery. Why, why, why would you wear a Horcrux? Who, who wants to wear a Horcrux? That's a terrible idea. It says the man taking it off its backing. And pinning it to his chest. Yeah. I feel slightly more evil. I don't know why. You, you have gone like full Harry Potter here because you're now wearing the scarf. You're about to be wearing the Horcrux and you're already wearing the T-shirt that they sent us previously. I am. Hmm. Right. 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 Oh. What? Yes, I have to. I have to take this 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 badge off. Um, I put it on. I said he wanted to vote conservative. Um, a bit of politics. Politics. Yes. But, um, yes. Anyway, or a cheap laugh, depending. Oh. Uh, okay. So the last thing is a small pink box. They're not sweets, are they? Uh, it's it's marked honey jukes. Well, they but, are the, sweet. but there is a very small, very subtle little green sticker that says "not edible, non comestible," uh, which I believe is probably French for "don't eat this, you'll die." Oh, I see. Uh, oh. And there's a, some slightly bigger stickers that say that these are erasers. That's a chocolate frog. It is a chocolate frog. There is also a sugar sk- skull, which is again weighty. I think we've enough force behind it. You can probably take out somebody's eye with this. Um, but is just beautifully finished off uh, with all sorts of attention to detail on it. This is one of those things that it's really pretty in the box and it looks lovely in the box, but if you keep it in the box, you never get to see them. And you kind of just want these because this is a chocolate frog and it's not an amazing. Uh, there is also 
a cauldron cake and a jelly slug. And these all these all remind me of being in like oh they remind me of being in junior school and when I was in junior school I had like an eraser collection and I had like when I was a kid erasers that were all sorts of weird shapes and colours and themes were a thing. They were massively a thing. Um because you know I'm I'm so decrepit and old that we had to write stuff on books in schools. Um, as opposed to typing everything, uh, and and I had loads of these, and this oh, and this reminds me of that one's breakable. This reminds me of like being a kid in school. Also, I got a brownie badge for that collection. You see, these are definitely erasers, and they're heavy enough to work as an eraser. Mm -hmm. Quite a few normal erasers are a bit thin. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to use any of these as an eraser uh, I think the one I would least want to use is the sugar skull just because that's going to go brown yeah it's going to go pencil very quickly yeah. but they come with a useful little box thing that you could get other things in as well yeah so what you're saying is you... so I'm, I'm suspecting there may be things in, in future loot crates that you would also be able to store in this box like, well, you could always because they might they make for example do a pencil sharpener. You you could always store it was your, shaped like something from Honey Dukes. You could always store your cursed brooch. So anyway, let, let's put that away and let's get on with the rest of the show. We have a <laughs> lovely Harry Potter. It's, it's a weird idea. We'll get into that now, shall we? Um, it's a weird idea. I don't know if you've encountered this at all, Ross Odell. Yeah. Um, the the idea of having a subscription box. We, we covered it on the old show. We covered a thing called uh, The Writer's Crate, of which one appeared and then it vanished. Oh, yes, mm. I remember that. But Luke Crate are the people who, if they didn't invent it, they're the ones who made it successful. Yeah, if they didn't invent it, they've got the better marketing. Um, but they do, so, <laughs> so they'll do specific fandoms. So they came to us and they went, are you interested in the Serenity Box? And we were like, <gasps> no, because we're a bookshop. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What? Hey! Yes, but we can't review it on the show. Yes, so we can't do but it. But there's books. It's not a book thing. It's a TV show. It's got books in it. But there's no the the bridge between Firefly and Serenity is graphic novels. Mm. We could have tied it in. That's it. We and, resigned. And they never saw Dell again. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we had the option of Harry Potter instead. Oh, okay. For, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Which are actual books. And then they made movies and graphic novels. Did they make graphic novels? They yeah. should. Are they they made a play. You've been to see the play. I've been to see the play very recently. Did you like the play? I have not seen the play. Well, I'll say, say the badge hashtag... has got a, a tote bag, so I'm guessing yes. <laughs> yeah. I have not yet seen it. I would like to see it. But hashtag keep the secrets. So, yeah, no, I loved it. But that's so, all I'm saying. Yeah, I was like, I was like oh, I should ask Dell about the play. And then you go around this badge saying, keep the secrets. And I'm like, oh. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, well, you can buy the script, yeah, which is fine. But I think the whole point is, if you've read the script, don't talk about it yeah. because some people, like I, I knew nothing. But I'm also very good at avoiding spoilers. Yeah, um, well done. That's a life skill these days. Yeah. <laughs> so the bit where he has is to get a CV? the <laughs> avoided spoilers. <laughs> that should be a, a marketable skill. So the bit where Harry, where the older Harry Potter has to get the festival. 
to 88 miles per hour. <laughs> using, totally happened. Using lightning from a town hall. It, it, the, that's totally part of it, yes? Yeah, obviously. Because uh, it's fine. Thestrals don't need roads. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but only where you're going. <laughs> Oh, oh, that, sorry, we're still on the Harry, so there's a Harry Potter loop crate, it's got things in, we tell you about them. You know how there's ghosts in Hogwarts? Yes. Yes. And like loads of ghosts in Hogwarts and stuff. Yeah. So a load of the older students now will be able to see Thestrals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like if you were first a lo- year. A lot of students would be able to see Thestrals now. So, like, so if you're a first year and you come to the school and you're looking around and there's people doing this and patting, it's great radio, patting thin, thin, thin air yeah. because there's these ghost horses everywhere and then you get confused and then there's, there's oh no, they're the people who've just had tragedy in their lives yeah. and you should realise it's like every other, other person that you've met. That's, that's, I'm transferring. Do, do both accents do, do, well, do transfers? The the other thing to remember as well is that they tried to keep it so that only people of 17 and above were part of the Battle of Hogwarts. So it should, and then they'd have finished for the year, so it should only be the final year students that there would be any students left who remembered. Unless some people went back. Because this, this is one of the things I've often wondered about the people who missed a year of school because of being in hiding did they go back and make that time up or were people just like you probably know stuff now <laughs> there you one go one of these things where we don't really know how no. the education you know are there resits for your for your, <laughs> for your exams you know can, well, you, can you reset the... owls and newts if you don't do brilliantly the first time around is there a fee for that what does the ministry's equivalent just... of Ofsted say about that I envisage that there's no no idea of resits is ever mentioned it seems quite final that your results are your results that's, I'm sure they'd no, be no, less that's unfair because occlumency surely you go oh, but you've already done the exam memory, memory charm go off and do it again nah also also in a world where magic magic minds bending exists how can you actually fail an exam surely you just find someone who's willing to it's like don't copy my notes, copy my brain. And just like, you know, here it is, get a, get a perceive out. I would envisage with the amount of cheat, anti-cheat charms and stuff that yeah. would have been used that that's something they'd have thought of. That's not cheating. We also How is that not cheating? It's, it's not, the same as copying. It's not cheating. You're taking someone else's memories, integrating them into your own, and then therefore you know it. So, because the point of cheating at an exam is, say you were to cheat a medical exam and then someone was to have... An appropriate medical incident in front of you. If you cheated at the exam, you couldn't help them. So, so like you've cheated, you've made it entirely pointless. It's Whereas, still cheating. It's, it's gaining reward for someone else's work. It's essentially plagiarism. You've not put that time and effort into learning that thing that someone else has, and you're just appropriating that information. But isn't that spark not which you can use to enhance your 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 working? Surely, surely, if I could, if, no, because you if, didn't if, read them. If, if I could take an, if I could, if I could put if a USB stick into the side of my head, and then upload two years worth of a skill again, like the uh, Matrix. You yeah, like the Matrix? I would do that, and that's not cheating. But you're not getting tested on that. The test a test is to test your ability but, to 
apply but information to, that you have learnt. I'd want to be tested on that because once I've like uploaded the skill, I then have to integrate it into what I know and into my of 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 the established levels of ignorance. So therefore, no, because I still might get it wrong. Uh, because I because I'm just I have no you know because I have pre-built biases. That USB stick was designed for someone to do that though. Whereas someone working really hard to learn a lot of information has not been done so that you can then come and take that information and have it in seconds. But if I was a SWAT at Hogwarts who also wanted to make some money, I would totally do that. I'd be like, copy my brain. There we go. Ignore the ignore the. No, there's got to be dodgy consequences to that. Yeah, and oh, I'm not absolutely. sure. I'm and not sure how much pocket money. Isn't that people the at Hogwarts plot of have? one of the books? One of the characters does that. Oh yeah, actually, isn't that isn't that the entire plot of the second book? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a point. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of your. Soul I was going to say two other things. One, some of the students at Hogwarts are clearly uh, no, some students don't go to Hogwarts. They're home and school. Two, there's only about 40 students in a year. There's only about 280 wizards per gen- in Hogwarts at a time anyway. But it looks on. a lot more than that in the long shots of the banqueting hall. Yes, no, but there's only 10 there's... in... Yeah, but the all... Okay, if you if you go through the Harry Potter books and just look at Gryffindor, there are five boys and maybe five girls in that... No, and they're about even... I think it's a, it seems to be about 10 students per year. That's not very many, really, is I know. it? I know. It is something that I've thought about. If you... Ultimately, also Fred and not everybody will qualify. be part of everybody's life. Not everybody will talk to everybody. So there's potentially, there potentially are Gryffindors who are never named because there's only three named Gryffindor girls in Harry, Ron, and Hermione's year. If I'm getting that right, Hermione. There's one of the Hermione, Patils. Lavender, and yeah, um, Pad, Pad. No, yeah, Padma. Yeah. Um, are okay, so, so it might be eight. But the thing is that you could, like you said, there could be loads. It doesn't mean they're all getting sorted into the same house houses. Mm. There might have been just a boatload of Hufflepuffs that year. I think I made this joke before on the show, but I would unfortunately be Ravenclaw as a punishment because I'd be like, we're disembodied sentients. Hi. So, at which point the sorting hat would be like, do not Turing test the sorting hat. <laughs> um, and also Ravenclaw. I'd be like, Really? Okay. I don't think that would necessarily make you Ravenclaw. Yeah, as Ross pointed out at some point, it would also potentially make you slivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but no, it's, just, it's, it's tricky. But no, look, are you saying now, I'm, I'm intrigued now as to whether actually the sorting hat goes, okay, so I've got 40 kids and some of them could go either way and what balances do I need to do so that they're all roughly even at the end of the day? I don't think he does that's not how it works. Mm. Well, okay, there's a question though. I want to achieve that thing. Is that bravery or ambition? No. How do you tell a Gryffindor from a Slytherin? They're very similar, which is one of the... one of the problems I have with the way Slytherin appear because everyone's like Slytherin are house evil and it's like I like no, how we're depressing no, it's they're not. That's, and I don't think that's in, like inherently said the point they make is that well Ron says like there's not a witch or wizard who went bad that wasn't from Slytherin suggesting that that all of the Death Eaters were Slytherin when the old stuff was going on but um, Ron is Gryffindor. Yeah, Ron is Gryffindor. So is Sirius that's Black. Not, that's not suggesting that everyone, everyone in Slytherin is evil, but it's suggesting that the characteristics that Slytherin, Slytherin looked for maybe does have 
an easier tendency to fall on that path. Alternatively, Ron has inherited his bigotries, of which he has several, mm. from his parents, who are also Gryffindor. Well, no, actually, that's wrong. Because uh, his parents aren't Gryffindor. But he's, he's inherited Gryffindor uh, bigotries. And that's one of the things that Rowling does. Is actually, uh, actually, she says, yes, Ron stop calling racist. yourself the good guy, because you might not be. Ron is uh, racist, yeah. Well, yes. Well, Ron, yeah, Ron, Ron, is, Ron, Ron has, is raised so, in a culture where yes. he's not thought about it, which is mm. more a more useful lesson. Because everyone's told that racism is bad, but many people aren't told why racism is bad. Mm. And aren't given that, that, that ten minutes to sit down and have a very hard think and go, oh, no, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually just a shitty thing to do to human beings. That's what I was going to say. Sirius Black being you know, quite well known as a villain through the first to, to the wizarding community for quite a few books um, is also a Gryffindor. That's true, actually. He's been yeah. in prison for an awful long time. He's, you know, he's quite well known as a villain. Unless you don't know, which Harry spends most see, of the book learning. You see, now I'm, what I'm thinking now is that in, in my own kind of little fan fiction brain, I think a Slytherin has decided to cheat at their owl exams, <laughs> have taken a part of their brain and been mm. handing that round, and unfortunately that kid was evil. <laughs> so that's why you've got a whole load of really dodgy Slytherins, because they've all cheated the same way. I think Slytherin, like Salazar Slytherin's characteristics are, especially if you take that, those sorts of characteristics and put them in a children's book, it's like that is unlikely to have been a nice man. Mm. And so there is a house founded on a man who thinks that essentially eugenics are the way to go. Um, so there's, yes. there's, there's, there, I think that the house has come from a not nice person. Yeah. But there are. <laughs> I don't think it's said that all Slytherins are bad. It's just that, for, as as a form of device, the majority of Slytherins you meet within the story aren't nice people. The, it... the division is probably is, seems to be slightly more um, okay. From what I've said before, I want that thing. If I'm bra- I want it and I can achieve it, that's Gryffindor. I want and I'm entitled to it because possibly because of this bloodline family and everything and everything I've got. That's a little bit more. Slytherin. I think the difference between bravery and ambition. In, like, in terms of from that aspect and look at one being good and one being bad you can I really only put it down to intention in, as far as I see it it's an intention thing there's a thing called College of Wizardry which is a um, lot in Poland where they've shaved off all the serial numbers and it's not it's definitely not Harry Potter LARP uh, one of others absolutely not and <laughs> obviously you should get the Harry Potter look great but anyway um, <laughs> turn up to this castle in Poland and it looks amazing and everyone does this kind of thing. Um, Can we go? Ha- yes, I'd yeah. love to. Um, it's quite. A, it's an expensive pot holiday for middle class people, essentially. Okay. But one of the houses isn't. The, they aren't the too expensive. They aren't Slytherin. Um, there isn't Slytherin because obviously you can't do that because they'd get sued. Yeah. Um, but there is a house that I was reading the description. And it's like this is House Machiavelli. Cool. Uh, by people who've actually read Machiavelli and realised <laughs> that the prince is meant to be a parody. Uh, yeah. The prince is meant to be a parody, by the way. Um, so, yeah. um, should we actually... Oh, before we, we carry on, should we do tap or shall we do a book? Well, I think... We, well, we should do the postman. The postman's the arrived postman, in the post room. The post- um, quite literally, whilst we've been recording this, the uh, postman has arrived, uh, which explains, because we're in the mail room. Mm. So we yes. have post. Uh, we... One, Fred and George managed to get out of Hogwarts 
didn't pass Linux at all and made a business. Two, the guy who runs the League Cauldron is probably ne- not necessarily you, know, most of academic. In but it's, but Fred and George is self-employment, isn't it? So they're not yeah. relying on working for anybody else and therefore having the right qualifications. Yeah, true. Because it seems if you want Other to work for the ministry, that... you have to have mm. your owls and newts or whatever. I have, people have, I have apprenticeships stuff here. Have you stuff I mean, it That's was addressed mean, to you. I'm dealing with other things. It's uh. mean that the postman didn't take us with him, but at least he left us things. Mm-hmm. We've got a book. Shocking. Killing is my business by Adam Christopher. Oh, Ooh, this... Adam Christopher. Yes, that's um, a, a fi- fictional. Oh, what take hold? Adam... Pseudonym. It's not Adam Christopher. No, is um, books. <laughs> Books, uh, Adam Christopher. Wrote. Are we Rim- doing an impromptu judging by its cover? Well, yes, but also I, I know I know what this book is. Uh, Raymond Chandler meets Philip K. Dick in a st- new standalone adventure featuring robot hitman Raymond Electromatic. Uh, killing is my business. Oh, killing is my business. Okay, I'm glad I've read um, the title. Of that. Apologies. I thought you said curling is my business, which would have been a very That'd different be a book. Scottish version. <laughs> I, no, no, but seriously, I'd read that. Um, another golden morning in the city town and a new memory tape for the interpret PI turned hitman and the last robot left in working order Raymond Electromatic when his comrade in electric arms Ada assigns a new morning roster of clientele Ray heads out into the LA sun only to find his skills might be rustier than he expected um, he, he does a, he's, has a bunch of uh, standalones and they're available on Titan which is lovely um, yay we like Titan Titan lovely Empire State yes which... Empire State debris novel yes for Which, some reason, it's not listed in. You know, like when you go to the also available from Adam Christopher, it, Empire State isn't written on there. He's written quite a few things. Though, yeah, yeah, so. but like, just because Empire State was his debut, and that's the one that I remember seeing his name first. You have another ooh, book. Ooh, I have another book. Oh, ooh, this is an ooh one. Ooh, is, this is unlucky. Ooh, uh, we've talked about unlucky before. Author of Insanity Justice, Hugo Neville, an author C. Clark Award winner. Um, we we will we will get to the Clark Awards, but not on this show. Um, well, like on this show, but not on this episode. I think we'll talk about the Clarks <laughs> at some point. Um, but yes, prominence. Um, oh, it's one of those where I've just got like the book itself, and it just says powerful, engaging, provocative, unexpected. Uh, it's the uh, the next series. The the it's sorry, it's the latest from Amleki. It's not connected to the Ancillary series. As I understand it, the Imperial Wretched um, trilogy—it's its own thing. Uh, I'm very excited by that, and I will get around to reading that. Did you say this was? Sorry, going back to the Adam Christopher book. Did you? Did the thing say it was a standalone? Yes. Because it says book two. <laughs> the uh, back of it has made to kill. A li- you know when they have a picture of other covers that's made to kill, so and it's got the same little robot face. Made to kill. So it's in a world and a character, but it's not a series. Yes. Like, so it's like almost monster of the week as opposed to overriding arc. Like Discworld novels. Yeah. Okay. It just but the idea of saying the LA trilogy book two suggests it's a trilogy <laughs> which sounds a bit like a series. It does. And that I need it? to have read book one. <laughs> I think what they're saying by saying it's a standalone loan is that you don't need to have read book one. But please do buy book one. Um, Do we think that this is connected to um, Sledgelit last November? Me and Ross went to a panel that was about can fantasy, is fantasy always a series? No. But one of the things that was, and I know I've mentioned it before because it was a really interesting panel, but, but actually one of the things they discussed is 
writing can be very difficult because you can write a book and then your publishers will say right turn it into a trilogy but when you write the second one you have to end it in such a way that if they decide not to do the third one there's enough of a story ended so oh. I wonder if that's something like what's happened here then because the fact that it says specifically it's a trilogy but then all the marketing says it's a standalone I'm not I just don't I personally just don't think that works that's the thing I find fascinating about the way the industry is set now yes is that let's take Genevieve Cobman for an example the Invisible mm-hmm. Library series is a series that we love it's great fun but she wrote the first one and we talked to her at the time and she was like is there a sequel and she was like I hope so because I have more stories to tell and she originally wanted to do just three books but I by the time she got three. by the time she got to the second or third one it sold enough and there were enough people going is there more and she was like well no there is more because I want to write more um, so yeah so now it's a series and it's the same with the laundry series the laundry series is ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran uh, same with the Ben Aranovich books of mm. London it's like they, sometimes if the author is willing and the fans are, will, uh, f- fans are able yeah. the other way around fans are willing and the author is able a series will just run um, there, there is that other thing about uh, you were watching the House of Cards, the BBC version, mm. and we were remarking about the thing about the first House of Cards book. Mm. Uh, so this is not a spoiler. I don't. It's been twenty odd years, thirty years. Well, at Radio Book Room on Twitter, if you want to complain. So is the American is the American series based on a British series? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know. Which is based on a book. Which is based okay. on a book, but. It's not a spoiler. Okay. At the end of the first book, yep. it definitely ends, and there should be no sequels. Right. Okay, the way it ends, ends very firmly. Yep. And then there's a sequel. And you're like, how? Mm. And it doesn't explain, it just carries on. Mm. And what happened was, there was a TV series... That did rather well. The book sold rather well, and the, the writer just went, do you know what, I would have actually, had I not finished it, the way I finished it I would have written more anyway and someone's draw, driven to my house with a big truck of money uh, I love it when I get a big truck of money big trucks of yeah, money yeah now I've the American version I've seen series one which is very similar to the BBC series one but I haven't seen any of the subsequent series and I'm guessing given the number of series the Netflix version is now up to that they must have veered off at some point it's, it's a, a bit like um because there's the British version of The Office, which is Ricky Gervais, which I think was maybe one or two series. Yeah. But the American Office went yeah, for went quite a few the, series. Yeah. So I think the first series, from the sounds of it, is quite similar to the UK version. Yeah. But then they were like, ultimately, the characters are different. They have different stories to tell and went a different way. I find it fascinating that the mistress subplot in that, in that book... Mm. Um, in in House Cards, which is in the book and is in the BBC TV series, isn't in the American TV series. It it, it is, but not the same way. Yeah. The the things that the things that British sensibilities find really creepy about that relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's not in there. That's not in there. Yeah. And, it's, and I was I was reminded when I watched that again earlier this week exactly how creepy that is because I was just going, oh, I I had. For- Gotten about exactly how uncomfortable that is, and, and it was oh, oh, and, that, and that's because American moralities are different. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, we share very similar sensibility uh, as nations, but American moralities are different. And they looked at that and they went, 
Right, so the people who would be creeped out won't watch the show, and the people who who definitely will be uh, be um, this will appeal to. We don't want watching the show, so we'll just remove <laughs> that entirely. Yeah. And you're just like, there's a there's an interview with someone who they explain that, and you're just like, right, okay, and, and also apparently, you know, the, a potential um, senator having the fair is shocking enough. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, which is. Yeah, Nonsense. I can see why they've gone off differently in the American TV version because American politics is works very differently to UK politics. Very different. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about yet because I haven't seen it already. Yeah. Already, um, it, it's been around for some time. I'm sure uh, we will eventually get to uh, the Baron Munchausen. Um, one of these weeks. One of these weeks. No, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> and we'll get there on the show. Uh, we're just taking our time. Yeah. Not, you know, as long as it's taken for me to receive my copy of the Las Vegas. So, anyway, we, we, we'll get to yes, the Yes, I'm just about Chasen. What stuff are you holding? Uh, I, oh, um, so, we get some odd things in the post. Sometimes we get books. Sometimes we get books. Sometimes we get, um, how <laughs> the attacked again! <laughs> so, um, we got, we got a, a wolf in the post. We got a wolf's head in the post. We literally, literally opened up um, a huge box, and you know, well, big kind of boxes. And we, we look at it, and we're in the book nook, and we go, "What's this huge book? Bo- what's this huge, huge box? Is it food?" Uh, and we open up. Please let it be food. <laughs> let it be food. Um, it was quite light. I Forty-seven days since we had a muffin. And, and Ooh, muffin. We open it up, and the first thing I found was the severed neck of a wolf. And then a wolf's head. Um, so what we've got here, utterly bizarrely, uh, is Game of Thrones. Can you can you pass me the other two? Because I think we've got the first one as well. But the Game of Thrones, three uh, D masks and wall mounts. And these are books. These are literally books. Ooh, I haven't um, seen one of these in a while because I remember as a kid building a Starship Enterprise and mostly using sellotape rather than glue. But so this is this is on Carlton Carlton books. There's, um, a, there's a lot of things coming back which I don't know maybe they were used to be thought of as kids I don't know whether they used to be thought of as kids but, but you know there's the coloring books and the where's Wally redos of, with other things and there's a couple of reasons for that and I should ex- actually explain to regular listeners don't worry the entire series of the show will not be us about talking about like cool stuff that's only tangentially related to books it just seems to be this show yes it does it just seems to be this show where we've got we've got loads of stuff that we just want to talk about so, Carlton Books have sent us free. They sent us a wolf's head. It's literally a wolf's head, but it's made out of cardboard. And, um, prettily folded cardboard as well. Ooh, like. Very prettily. But what you get is you get a book, which says, uh, so this one is, the one I'm holding in my hand is for the dragon. Yeah. It's quite large. It's, um, Ooh, what... maps. Oh, it's got a map of Bastos in the front. Ooh. It's about a sort of square foot. It's, 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 it's large and... It's large and square, yeah. and then you've got so, a set of instructions and a quick explanation of the world. So is this the House of Stark? So that's, that's Stark for the wolf's head. Okay. And then they do... House Stark, Direwolf. House Targaryen, Dragon. House Lannister, Lion and White Walker. So you can have the severed head of a zombie monster. Well, we've already got some of those, surely, haven't we? Um, well, yes, but that's why we've got... Not this, so that's why we've got this postman. Well, yes. 
Um, it's the wrong show to talk about Zombaby. Uh, if you listen to the Starburst podcast, uh, which is the magazine, the main central magazine podcast, you'll all you'll know all about Zombaby. Um, but this is not a case for Zombaby. The Zombaby would probably want to wear that mask. That is creepy. It's also kind of cool. The thing is, it comes with it's it. It's nicely designed. Mm, it fits one head. It, it, you can put it on your head. Yeah. And um, we have. So it comes. It's also attacked me twice, though. So. Yeah. So there's the mask bit. Yep. Um, and then there's a plinth bit. So essentially what you do is you get a little instruction booklet which also explains House Targaryen or House Stark or all the rest of it. No, no, I, I, yes, it, this is sensible. I like this because one, you, you will mount this bit on the wall and you'll, the other bit will get taken off when you're drunk and put it on people's heads. They plan so, for this. So you've got like a, a baseboard which is the back of the book which is a big, big piece of foam. Yep. Um... Which you then kind of put together. Do you have to glue these or do they just slot in? Um, the salad tips have been used on the one that we Ah. Um, yeah, I remember putting my enterprise together with salad tape. I also remember it falling apart. We, I quite like this. I mean, it's, it it's nice. It's a lovely then, idea. Mm. I mean, I have a feeling that it will... I have a feeling that like even me, I would break this a lot. They not to the same level of detail, I think, because this is this is quite sophisticated. This is, you know, an adult should do this rather than a kid should do this. But they did um, a Doctor Who one of these not a few years back. With You know, you can get a TARDIS and a canine and not an awful lot else, I think. Uh-huh. I actually... Actually, no, I've, no, I've seen this in Doctor Who Martin recently as well. They're doing... Because um, this is a, a whole thing... <coughs> They're doing a, a Doctor Who paper dolls thing. You know the thing where oh, you go, yeah. yeah, where you you've got a picture of presumably you know a doctor in a slightly less dressed form and add costume onto them, with, in, with you know pushing tabs through slots in. And for some people, I suppose that will depend on which doctor it is as to whether they add clothes. Yeah, I. I've, ooh, okay. Nick and David Tennant dolls. We've what? gone on a tangent. Okay, we have gone on a tangent. As you say, from the limited amount I've looked at the magazine, you know, which covered this part of this. I don't think the doctors are that less clad. I think it's more a case of okay, the fourth doctor is down to his shirt, rather, than, and you can add a jacket and scarf onto that of your choice. Okay, that's that's exciting. Yes, the eighth doctor is down to his waistcoat. You know that sort of thing. This is the least exciting game of strip poker now. I'd be massively disappointed if you were to undress Paul McGann and then suddenly you got to the you know that was it. You just get to the waist course and it's like there's no more clothes for me to take off. What Paul McGann? <laughs> I have not met yet. I have not yet met Paul McGann, but I imagine he might be disappointed too. Uh, apparently, produced... he's in Bristol. He can be found campaigning um, during various elections for one of Newcastle's. Producer has met Paul McGann. Mm. No. I've met Paul one McGann. of my, my exciting new internet friends has met him, and has uh-huh. similarly squeezed. I've met Paul McGann. He was lovely. Mm. Uh, he's absolutely lovely, and a massive flat, which is very nice. Um, yeah. So those are the Game of Thrones um, masks. They come in House Stark, Direwolf, White Walker, House Lannister and Dragon's Head. Um, it's very hard to present a podcast where swearing a paper mask of a dragon. Um, but we're or, going to try. But we can try. Um, no, that's going to sound terrible, to be honest. Also, the glasses make it look weird. Also, the glasses. Well, hang on. I'll just put the glasses <laughs> over. There we go. Just put the oh, glasses yeah, that's over. Not now he looks like Granny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Granny, how big your eyes are! <laughs> what big teeth you've got! I could just wear it as a hat. You, you, you could. Wear... You could. Let's not. Um, I don't know. I like I'm... hats. 
Hang on, producer Al does officially look cute in hats. The wolf is attacking people again! Oh, it's like that bit from A Company of the Wolves where they haven't quite got the special effects right and like this just like like kind of a furry stall flying at people. Well, they've used high quality tape on this as well. Although it is starting So to did they in. send one to you, mate? Yes. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, I've had to re-stick some of that today. Because otherwise, if we tried to do this, the entire library would be on fire. It's, you, you, you know, <laughs> Covered in bees! Covered in bees. Everything on fire. That, that Excellent. sort of suits you. <laughs> it's very slowly sliding down the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is great radio. It is great radio. I, I, I don't want to describe the fact that the wolf snores is slowly like sliding into your chest. If you Yes, but if you do... Now you look like... Some random like character from a fantasy movie because you've got the like producer. Yeah. I was wearing the mask head on her, so so that so, so, the the jaw, so the chin is resting on her forehead. So you can pull it down and then you can charge into battle. You're either some form of like ah. amazing assassin or this is anime and you're a team desperately trying to join like some magic troop. Or alternatively, just a larper. Mm. Oh, which because yeah. it's about larp standard. He said, I am excited by the dragon one though. I suspect that probably isn't that. It wouldn't stand of being in a lap. It wouldn't stand being a lap for about, it would last for about two minutes, yeah. And then it would rain because yeah. it's lap and you're in a field in England and it's gonna rain and you're slowly sinking in mud and you want a burger and your feet hurt and it's lap. And yeah, see, the last lap I did, I was indoors and that happened. <laughs> it's it, it's that full realistic medieval experience you get with lap by which I mean you're quite likely to get piles. So, <laughs> and, and possibly a communicable disease. Excellent. So, and books. Yes, books. Anyway, so um, the adventure, the the extraordinary <laughs> adventures of Baron Munchausen. So, so, tell us the time you ran a podcast. <laughs> we should explain the book first. So, yes, we okay. Should. So, James Wallace is a chap, and if you're listening, James, which you might be. Uh, we've been teasing slightly about Las Vegas, which is a book that he has written. It's it's done. It's ready. The PDFs have come out, but the physical hard copies of the books haven't come out, and it's been a while. It's been slightly mocked because it's been on Kickstarter four years ago. So, The Extraordinary Adventures of Barry Munchausen, the original book came out about a decade ago, more than that. The original book is 98. So, that's a long time. I that's two decades ago. 20, 20 years ago. 20 yeah. years, yeah. So, the first version came out 20 years ago, and it was literally a pamphlet. It is two pages of rules, yes. And it was very simple, and the the, uh, the Extraordinary Adventures of Barry Munchausen is a book that details a game that you can play. So, the game that you play is this. Uh, I will do it very simply. Yes. Um, you sit around in a circle with your friends. With alcohol. Uh, with preferably. alcohol, preferably. You don't have to. And you have a pile of tokens, which are normally cash or possibly, like, not real cash, but, you know, Monopoly money or mm-hmm. poker, poker chips or the way I've played it several times, shot glasses. Um, I played it also with a deck of cards. Okay. okay. Um, you just have a pile of cards. See, Did thinking... the deck of cards win? <laughs> no, no, no. You, just as for a representative of you have a pile of tokens in front of you, I had... All I had on me at the time was a deck of cards. Everybody received some cards. Anyway, we're selling the rules explanation. Yes. So you all sit around, and the way it starts is that someone says, so Byron, tell me a story. And then they give you a prompt, a storytelling prompt. And then you... So, Del, tell us the time you accidentally impregnated the Pope. For example. And then you can interrupt that storytelling <laughs> at any point by saying, but surely, Byron. 
and then you add a story uh, thing and if they disagree with that they go no and then they give them you give them a coin uh, and if you want to give if you want to ask them a question you give them a coin so a coin a token is exchanged to interrupt the person's story and if they don't want to be interrupted they give it back in game, this is considered an insult. I, I, you've, I've challenged the veracity of your story by interjecting with something, and you go, "No, you oh, this is the one." I guess, and you will pass the coins back. And so. the concept behind it is, it's to be performed. The storytelling is to be performed as if you were the legendary Baron Munchausen, who mm. is a who is a, you know a seventeenth century. I mean, is that yes, right? seventeen dot dot seventeen seventeen ish. So eighteenth century then. Um, I always get confused about that. Um, <laughs> Talker of nonsense, essentially. No, 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 no. All those stories genuinely happened. So he was a hero who went to the moon, saved the Prussian Empire, impregnated the Pope. You believe it when the Doctor did it? All of those, and also it was a movie by um, Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. There's a movie by One Terry Gilliam where essentially and the premise behind the movie was that there were a bunch of people under siege and there was the Baron Munchausen and he was talking nonsense to these children because the children were terrified because he was under siege and then and it's just not a spoiler for a movie that's also quite old uh, and then suddenly 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 it's all true and the Baron is a hero and he can save you all and it's a marvellous movie and you should go and see it um, and it'll be on if it's not on Netflix it's on Amazon you can find it somewhere I'm sure um, so what James Wallace has done is it's taken him 20 years to take a book that was a pamphlet and turn, turn it into a book that is uh, 130 pages. No, no, no. Um, he, no, this is the third edition. The second edition, because I've got a copy of that and that's about a decade as well, is a full 90 page something or other. So Okay. This is Yeah, this is an expansion to that. This is the third edition where he's gone a little bit further than that. Okay, but what we're seeing is that uh, a weight of several years is standard for James Wallace. Uh, <laughs> You're just not going to that great for this <laughs> really bit, right? But um, we were but, going to tell him we would we reviewed this show. The show well, I'm still, I still am. Um, but no, it's <laughs> right, it's an extraordinary book. It's great fun. I'm going to pass it across. It is a lovely book. Um, it looks nice as well. You might be thinking, well, how do you turn that tiny game? Because it's a tiny game, mm-hmm. tiny tiny rules. You can play it in the car. You can explain Ooh. it to children. I have done it. How do you turn that into a 130 page book? And the answer is by providing shed loads of source material mm. to tell stories. In the form of, the Baron tells you how to play the game. And so it's very wordy, it's very verbose, it talks mm. a lot of nonsense all the way through, and it's full of variations. Yes. Uh, I have played with six-year-olds, mm-hmm. uh, my cousin the Baron, several times. Um, I've, I've, I've excised bits, depending mm-hmm. on what we want to play. But there's a version where you're literally saying my friend the baron has a bunny rabbit and then you turn around to the six-year-old in your life and they go they have to add to that and they go my friend my 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 friend the baron has a bunny rabbit with green glowing ears and you go around in the circle until the bunny rabbit eventually has uh, green glowing ears uh, can fly um is president of america and so on and it's the first it's person, and it's the first person to forget the list of things and okay. That's, as a sim- that's a mm. game that's in the book. As a simple game mm. for kids, it's brilliant because about a week later we ended up playing a much more simplified version of the Baron Munchausen game because the kids were just encouraged to make stuff up. And it's a lovely way to warm up young minds because mm. they've got all the imagination and none of the confidence. I, I will contradict slightly because 
my mind's leave I think it's the uncle the Baron, but okay. Uh, is the is that the game is not it's not a memory game of remembering all the things that you've attributed to the bunny rabbit it, or to the Baron for for that matter. It's you're trying to one up them on my yeah. uncle Baron is you know, my uncle Baron has three bunnies and a tiger and you know a gerbil named Harold. Do I, and, I don't know this one here because there's one there's I think there was a my uncle the Baron back there and then there's my uncle the Baron once and it appears that my uncle yeah there's my uncle the Baron. Okay. And then My Uncle the Baron once is like My Uncle the Baron, the example it has here. Um, so being a selection of brief stories suitable for commencing the game for those without imagination or the uncles to provide their own. Um, so it's like My Uncle the Baron once crossed the English Channel on a seahorse, found a gold mine in Wales, shot two pheasants with the same bullet. So this is definitely a list. Story. Right, there are two games so yeah, in this book. Yeah, there's two, okay. two My Uncle the Barons. There's, there's more... also My Shorter Uncle the Baron. <laughs> the, the, there's, more, there's more than two so what I did with that book is what I essentially did was I played all the junior versions of kids what I discovered is I could play the most I found the most basic junior version which is a list Yeah. and then later on I built it up and built it up and built it up yeah. so there's enough in there for you to for, for kids because as, as he puts in a very verbose way Kids have all of the imagination and all the confidence, and it's a wonderful way to just get them into it. There are a bunch of prompts in there for imagination generation purposes as well. And you don't have to be the Baron Munchausen. No, there you is. can be. Yeah, the, the basic. Well, the, the second edition, you you can be a table of nobles of all various different stages. But yes, the the, the third edition adds a lot of variation. I particularly like the idea of bringing Jane Austen and uh, not Jane Austen; she's not fictional. Uh, Elizabeth Bennet, Bennet and uh, Jane Eyre mm. into into a room. So, Jane Eyre, tell us of how you defeated the Daleks at Westminster. Vida, I married. What? <laughs> um, you, you can. This is the kind of story you can tell. Pride and Prejudice and Daleks. You know, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was not as bad as I was expecting it to be. Did they make a film of it as well? Yes. yes. Matt Smith's in it. Yes, cool. Do it with Doug. But I think I don't think that that idea of taking something and then adding a new genre to it, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, the the old format, the show, when this used to be the bookworm, I reviewed um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Brilliant book. I learned so much about the American Civil War from that book. It is essentially a, this is what happened in the American Civil War, This so that you can understand it, but in a really entertaining way, because they were like, how can we explain this aspect of social change? Vampires. How can we explain this like aspect of political warfare? Vampires. Brilliant. <laughs> so good. Prime Prejudice and Zombies isn't a very good book. The movie is really fun. Good. And one of the things the movie does is well, we sat and watched it with our friend Paula. Yes. And Paula's a massive Pride and Prejudice fan. Yes. And one of the points that she made, and it's 100% true and it's 100% deliberate, is there's a bunch of stuff in the Pride and Prejudice canon that isn't in the book. Oh, absolutely. And there's scenes that people will tell you are 100% in the book that aren't there, that have been in uh, TV adaptations and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. And Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the movie, is a pick and mix of all of the stuff yeah. that people will swear blind is in the books but actually isn't. Well, the BBC were very... Um, I watched a really interesting interview about like the, the famous like Colin Firth BBC one. Yeah. Um, and they were saying that like, the book is, is Jane Austen writing what she knows, which is what women see. And there's basically no scenes 
involving just men because she doesn't know that world. Mm. So she wrote the world she knew. Whereas the BBC adaptation, there's loads of things that they were like, well, that's not really the story that people want or are entertained by anymore. And they were very honest. They were like, yeah, we absolutely created things that therefore we could see the lives of men in this story that Jane Austen wrote. But there's also the little things like um, them getting married together by the, the same time mm. thing, which is a convenience for the movies because you only <laughs> have to shoot one wedding scene. Yeah. Um, and it totally isn't in the books because that no. would be outrageous. It would be ridiculous. But obviously every other movie you see has it in. And clearly Pride and Prejudice and Zombies has it in. And yet again, we've veered away Alas, so we have veered away from uh, the extraordinary adventures of Baron Munchausen. Um, it which came is the way he, from the idea of storytelling. It's fine. Which is the way we want it. To be fair, as a book, I think it's absolutely marvellous. Would I recommend it to my friends? Yes. Uh, would I use it as an inspiration to create? I don't know. A quiz show? Yes. Uh, <laughs> would I play it with my friends? Absolutely. Um, should you play it with your friends? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's on Fantasy Flight, which is um unusual label mm. they're better known for creating books but they do create these little mini novellas I think we reviewed Android um, we did we, um, I think on the, almost when we finished like very mm. early in the show we, in, we reviewed some of their Android books which are cyberpunk science fiction stuff mm. uh, I think we in fact we reviewed Monitor which is the one that's also about Gamergate in wearing a hat uh, it's sort of certainly about Gamergate but um, yes um it's got lots of it. You read the other two versions. How I've does, read the second version. How does the... I, I remember reading the first mm. version because the first version was free. Um, okay. How does it compare? Uh, well, so the second edition pr- primarily is you are nobles sitting around a table regaling stories about what you would do if you were an 18th century noble person. Um, the variations... I, I, I attended a playtesting session which eventually became this third book. Uh, so I've uh, done the, the supervillains variation where... Because there are considerable variations on what you can do with it. For example, you can be a supervillain. You are a crowd of supervillains. Each of you... Have, you, know, you t- So tell us of the time that you tried to take over the world using cheese and a moat. And you know they will have to you know, begin that story. But if rather than a full five-minute story of that, you will interject at some point and say, and how did Danger Mouse follow your plan? And you, right, and that's why we're all sitting around this table moping over our drinks, because we've all been defeated by whatever it was. There's a version... There's a variation here called Inventors which is described as patent nonsense. There is Munchausen Crescent. Yes, oh lovely. There's a monster mashup, there's a one where you play... Dolly's Hill Loop! The, the, the fictional version we mentioned with Jane Eyre earlier, by the way, you can be Captain Kirk, you can totally, yeah, everyone can, you know, you can be any character you, you wish to around the t- sitting around the table. Protagonists. In this style of play, all the members of the company take on the roles of well-known characters from a well-known literary work. So we talked about this a moment ago. Yes. Before player begins, each identifies themselves to the company with the following example shown. I am Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. I'm interested in the theatre, short sword fighting and the supernatural. Oh. That's going to turn out badly, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's very forward <coughs> to introduce myself, uh, I am Elizabeth Bennett of Meryton, a young lady who much in want of a husband. Or quite simply, me Tarzan. <laughs> there is a cave. There's a Neolithic version. You can be cavemen. Uh, you are. You're describing things that you know adventures you have done. So how you invent cake, and excellent. Yes, you're. You're. You are not allowed to use adverbs or adjectives because they've not been invented yet. Um, you're extremely limited on the amount of polysyllabic words. It's uh, not and everybody is referred to as Og. 
It's the, not the invention of cake to do with um, sugar. Mm. Yes, but just because um, that's how we've invented cake doesn't mean that some caveman yes, didn't invent it and call it something else. I mean, you know, it, it might have been. It, 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 it would have been, been cake. It would have been well, rock cake made out of literal rock. But other than that, yes. The founding um, scheme for early settlers of Stone Age being the people of caves or cave Catan. Um, how these early inhabitants recently discovered and invented in this necessity? I can't say the word necessity. Necessity. Feats of great value, including uh, make, uh, escaping dinosaurs, waging war, neighboring tribes, or driving rival species, or or everything else. The Risigan is already like that. That that has been around for a while. Which I believe is called Oak, um, where it's a role-playing game where the only person who can speak in full language is the games master, and everyone else at all times can only speak with the words that are on their character sheet and these words are ug 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 ooh ooh <laughs> and if you're a very brainy caveman you get the extra special word which is anti-disestablishmentarianism <laughs> and different kinds of cavemen have different abilities so you mm. get um, arty cavemen can also draw so um, when I played it, there was a essentially because it's a game where what's the past and things that you can see, and I, I have a very fond memory of a friend of mine waving a picture of a very crude dinosaur with an arrow pointing at me because it was a dinosaur behind me. <laughs> so, which, so which being a bravery uh, um, caveman, I decided to invent the word and went, "And it is astonishmentarianism," and I got eaten. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, that's a different time again. Um, Games are good. Games are good. This is so. This is a book for game. It is not a book that tells you the extraordinary. It's not an adaptation of the movie. It's not anything like that. You might be, you know, forgiven for thinking it is. Um, it recommends a lot of cognac. It, it does say that if you have too many players, that you should you know, pull your resources together and just invade Belgium. But <laughs> it's is that not just a, 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 a advice for life? Yes. That's fair. That's also true. In fairness, mm-hmm. you could not buy this book and just sit in a pub, explain the rules to the fans and play it. I have done this. I did this in an Irish pub explicitly because I thought Irish people are going to be great at telling this game and none of the people sat around the table were Irish. Well, yes, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I've they were all very good at it, though. <laughs> I've played this with writers, authors and James Wallace himself. Um, it's a great game. I think you should... I, should you buy this book? Yes, you should buy this book for other people. Um, mostly because you should buy this book, read it, and then buy another copy for someone else, so they can play it with you. So they then give it to someone else who then plays the game. Because people should play games, and we should be creative. And anything that includes, every, I keep every time I tell people what I do for a living, people say, "Oh, I want to be a writer." And it's like, do you tell stories? When was the last time you told a story? When was the last time you told a story for the joy of telling a story? Not because you want to be J.K. Rowling, not because you want to be George Orwell Martin. Not because you want to market cardboard both masks. <laughs> Ultimately, if you want to tell stories and you don't know where to start, yes, get the extraordinary adventures of Baron Munchausen, and it might very well change your life. Yes, loosen your bit, get you get the creative stuff going. Gosh, that was that was almost like we planned that. We've been the. Brave New Words Book One Podcast. Uh, you can find us in Starburst Magazine. You can find us on starburstmagazine.com. You can find us on Fab Radio International. And you can also find us at Radio Bookworm on the Twitters. You can also find us on the internet. And you can send us a raven, owl, or telepathic message if you're able to do so. Uh, bye! bye. bye.